0: My name's Chris Lane
1: and I'm Claire Cook
0: and this is the Not Forgotten Podcast. We have with us today Andre Adifope and Andre's sat in with us on a few of uh, the podcasts so far but we've never fully given him a an adequate in my opinion introduction so Andre I know that you're um, um, a writer you're studying for a PhD you you've got many strings to your bow do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are what you do where you do it
2: yeah no sounds good and um... Yeah, so many of you who are at the conference would know me as the Rack and Tour, which sounds quite menacing, I think. So (laughs) it's probably good to dispel that myth. But yeah, so I um, trained for ordination ministry at Emmanuel College, which is where I know you guys from, obviously, and uh, got priested recently. So currently serving my curacy in Greater Manchester and um originally from london as you may have been able to tell from the accent in previous episodes but um actually originally moved up to um a place in oldham uh to do um a work with the eden network which is all about um planting uh on council estates um and being yeah present a presence in that area and kind of being part of the community and that's why i originally moved up and Um, I moved up without a house and a job, and God supplied both, which was great. Um, I remember when I first moved up, uh, I was telling my parents uh, who don't go to church, you know, I've got a plan, and they said, you don't have a plan, you have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) And so it took a while for them to be on board. But that's why I moved up and did that for about 18 months and then um, stopped doing that for a while and then got involved in another project uh, elsewhere in Greater Manchester, Uh, and me and my wife ended up leading that as well Um, and so been doing this work uh, on and off for about uh, well for the last 10 years ish and and yeah kind of as you said um, studying uh, for a PhD in theology particularly in the area of atonement which is where my well one of my previous books was on as well as uh, another book I've written on In the area of uh, dating and relationships, um, so that obvious Venn diagram there (laughs) is drawn between those two topics, um, and yeah, just really love, love being getting involved in community and working really hard, uh, to form community and the struggles and joys that come with that. And I always feel weird at these things because you're kind of saying, look how great I am. And I founded Eagle's Wings Ministry. So it's probably only fair to also give some bad points, namely uh, awful at DIY, um, really uh, bad at, um, well, I'll say keeping anything alive in my house, to be honest, to do with gardening and plants and all that, um, which was hammered home to me recently. But we won't go into that. Um, And yeah really um learning to be uh, more generous with time and finances and that's something god is on my case with so we're all a work in progress but that's kind of a snapshot of me
0: (laughs) brilliant Uh, well we're really grateful to you for kind of helping us with these podcasts and and especially the work that you were doing at the conference itself and so it'd be lovely just to hear a bit about um the kind of work that you did during the conference and what you've done since, and then we're just going to have a a while together to discuss some of your findings.
2: Yeah, so I rocked up at the conference uh, and was given a title of rack and tour. Like I said, um, and the first the first conversation I had with someone, she just looked at me and said, "You're the rack and tour," <laughs> which that <laughs> that conversation could have gone either way, and. Um, and yes, yeah, so at the conference, I was going around, hopefully friendly, friend in a friendly manner, asking people to share some of their stories, really. I mean, my main role at the conference was to just sit and listen and to hear people's stories and to hear some yeah. of the creative projects they're doing. And obviously, we talked about some of the challenges during these podcast series that come with this work. But I had the joyous task of trying to gather some of the joys and some of the stuff that was going on. And so some people reluctantly, some people with a bit more enthusiasm, shared their stories with me, which was really good fun at the conference. And then after the conference finished and obviously everyone went home, my main task really began because I was asked to um, gather some data and to gather some insight into the work that was going on. And that was mainly done through an online survey, we asked people to fill out an online Padlet, and where they could answer different questions that we gave them. And it really was to try and get a snapshot of people's thinking in who are working in this area, both theologians and practitioners. And so everyone who was at the conference was asked to fill it out It was only for people who were at the conference and it was only done uh, during the conference. So it wasn't done afterwards or before by anyone who wasn't invited. And so it really was trying to dig down into the area of what is going on with church planting in council estates in the UK. There was about 125 delegates. I think most most people filled it out because we gave time during a session for people to go online and to fill it out. Uh, some people did it in pairs, some people did it in groups, but we think most people during that time slot and a bit elsewhere filled out this survey and answered three questions, which is what are the main joys and challenges you come across in your context? The second question was what do you believe are key are the keys to fostering a Christ-centred culture and why? And finally, what does being hope-filled mean to you? How do you nurture hopefulness within yourself and those you engage with? And as you can tell, it was open-ended questions, which bring some um, challenges. But nevertheless, we asked everyone to be as honest as possible. It was all anonymous. And then I went away for um, countless hours trying to process all of this and essentially trying to categorise answers by themes or by words and we're going to talk a bit about that, but essentially was trying to get some consensus around some of the answers that were coming in and went away and did this, like I say, for many hours and broke down the answers for each question and produced this um, work, this document, based around what people said in that survey. Mm.
1: And Andre, it, it, we've had a little look at through the document that you've put together and um one of the things that I think is really important about the work that you've done and really useful for all of us is um you know when we're thinking about church planting, particularly in kind of urban estate areas, context matters hugely, doesn't it? And so some of the challenges and, and the joys and, and, and the way we approach ministry in those areas is going to be really individual, contextual. You know, that really matters. Um, and also it's really useful to look to see what are the themes that are coming out here? What are the trends? Some of that's where we notice uh, how we can help one another where perhaps we need to um where we can make space to go right okay let's let's maybe focus on this aspect of it when we do another conference or we gather people in other ways or we might do other podcasts and think okay these are the things we want to be talking about um but also it's a way in which we can notice where god's at work isn't it and um the kind of things that god's up to across different contexts and so it's really useful so thank you for doing the work um of of really crunching through those that data and and um and unearthing you know what what's really going on here and how can we begin to recognize some of those things so that's really great
0: yeah and uh, and i think um if we It'd be great just to kind of work our way through some of those areas that we asked people about and um, just see what stood out to us. And I think the first area was what were the joys of working and planting and pioneering these contexts that we find ourselves in. And I think there was a there was a big thing around people seeing lives transformed. That was one of the that was the main thing that people said that brought them a lot of joy. And um, and also there was a the, the second one was being it uh, was the friendships that, that were made. And I thought that was I thought that was fascinating. Um, and this is I guess just my take on this section. The, the, and the other thing that stood out to me, which is relevant to these two is that um, learning there, there was something that people said one of the joys was what you learn from um, from this kind of work. But well, that was quite low. There's only two people who or two contributors who said that, and <clears throat> I I thought that was really interesting. Firstly, because the thing about friendships is so key, um, and and I think in especially in challenging, difficult circumstances, the friendships we made or make are often the things that sustain us um, in the long term and help us to 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 kind of get through the difficult times. Um, and they're often really deep friendships that are formed in adversity. Um, but then that kind of, that thing the thing that was most interesting to me was that if our if most of our joy comes from seeing lives transformed um, and then less so in something like learning what the things that we learn, I think there's a challenge that comes because we do see lives transformed. But we also then often see lives destroyed, and um, and so one of the my reflections when I was reading through what you'd put together was, if 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 all of our if most of our joy comes from the transformation that we see, we need to find we need to train ourselves to find joy in a much wider variety of things. We need to train ourselves to find joy in the things that we learn. We need to train ourselves to find joy. In just the little tiny glimpses that we get, and you know, of, of the kingdom of God at, at work, Um because I think, and and if you go into the challenges, you know, which we, we don't have to fully yet, but the challenges are the, how tough it is and how difficult it, it can be, and the over feeling overwhelmed, and and I think one of the keys to combating the challenges is how do we find joy, um, and if we only if we mostly find joy in seeing transformation happen i don't think that's enough from my Mm. experience um and i think that's a useful point for us to take from that data
2: yeah i agree and i would just put some meat on the bones yeah 32 percent of people of responses we got said yeah transformation in terms of um converts or people inquiring about christianity or meeting christianity was the overwhelming um, favorite. And then twenty, well, and then 29%, like you say, Chris, talked about making friends or being part of the community or forming community. And yeah, it was, I think you're right, what you've already said, uh, which was really hammered home to me in this data, is that there was a lot of people in the conference rightfully talking about God is already at work and I just want to see what God is doing and kind of fan the flames or words to that effect. And yet, as you say, the joys come when we see this transformation, or people, even if they don't become Christians, and fifteen percent of you know changing people's lives to some extent, whether yeah. that means they come to church or doing something yeah. else. So you're right; it's transforming lives is really important. And yet, if we're trying to if we're trying to create a rhythm and model, which is seeing where God is at work, seeing what God is doing, yet only feeling a joy or value for one of a different word or only feeling something when we have seen something come to fruition or be transformed. There's a tension there. There's a tension there. And obviously, when you move into this work or in these contexts, you naturally want to feel like you're making a difference. You don't just want to walk around passively, not talking to anyone saying, oh, God might be doing something over there. Isn't that great? And never creating friendship. And that tension of how do we really chase what god is doing let him be the leader but realizing that we're there because we want god to use us and we want to see god working through us and you're right there is a tension there and i don't think there's an easy answer and um, but that is something that came through
0: and i just think if our yeah. sometimes our uh, sense of well-being can come from what we perceive as success or um progress or fruit even and um and if if our definition of that is am i seeing transformation happen um sometimes you'll just it's just a hard slog for a year and you don't see much change and 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 the key in that in those times is where do we where do we find joy where do we find Mm. and we do we find it in friendships which so i was encouraged by that um we find it through learn what we learn about God and His and His kingdom and the, the, His word, um, and and there's all, you know there's all sorts of ways that we find it. But I, th- I think yeah, it's just a, it's a good it's a good challenge for us. I think to
1: mm. think that through. And I think you're right there because it those sort of moments where you know somebody perhaps makes a commitment to Jesus is make may have come like you say chris after a long slog of walking with that person for a long time it's they aren't really the everyday moments are they so if we're if we are focusing on that as the main source of our joy and it is joyful of course it is you know we we're told aren't we there's a party in heaven every time you know so there is that it's not to say that that shouldn't be joyful it is and it ought to be and we ought to celebrate it um but if, like you say, I think, I wonder if there is a a bit of a risk of us almost um, when we're feeling tired and exhausted, that if those things aren't happening, if people aren't inquiring about faith, you know, if we run an alpha course and we got two people who come, you know, or one person or none even, that does that then discourage us in a way that is um, equally unhelpful, you know? quite quite deeply discouraged Um, and what's our response in that i wonder if there's a sense of us making sure that we're accountable to then not try and make those things happen you know Mm -hmm. are we happy to still hold with an open hand to say god you're the one who calls people to yourself and um and not kind of become a little bit more uh proactive you know or heavy-handed in the way in which that we are inviting people to jesus to almost like well it's not happening so how do i make it happen you know that kind of response
0: trying to produce results yourself
1: yeah Yeah. and it's it's just interesting isn't it Mm -hmm. none of this is in judgment or anything it's just interesting to let that be reflected back to us to go oh okay hang on yeah, that question that you've raised there, Chris. Chris, that's brilliant. Of where else are we finding joy mm. in the smaller ways, more consistently, more regularly, so that we've got a lifestyle of joy rather than those kind of yeah. rare but beautiful mountaintop joyful moments. But but in between, it's just a, it's hard if we don't find the joy in the everyday stuff.
2: And I do think part of the answer might come, because if you drill down into that category, it is people becoming Christians, inquiring about Christianity, but also people simply meeting with Christians. And so it's that joy as well can be. And it's great that the overwhelming or um, also I say the main category is people wanting to share the gospel with each other and seeing people become Christians. It's not, quote unquote, just doing a litter pick or just Mm -hmm. helping people to find jobs there is a faith element and a clear spiritual mission that isn't um, you know diluted in this work which is great Mm -hmm. but people also responded by saying just simply having people who've never come to church or spoken to a Christian just through being there they get to meet a Christian and so as you say Chris some of the answer it might be not just those moments where people put their hand up in the air or say the prayer or whatever it looks like, but actually just realizing us being there and knowing that God is already there. Mm. Like, that is also part of it. And it, but it's harder to find joy in that when you're there playing football in the park and talking to a dad or a mum, and going home and being like, I've really brought the kingdom of God in that place. It's quite hard to make that tangible or believe that or to really say that to yourself when you can see the need but that might be part of the answer how do we just be in there just being different is part of the joy even though it's incredibly tough as well
0: yeah Mm. and there's a and there's a spiritual discipline to having a party about one lost coin that was found that's and that's the kind of that's the learning I think that comes from doing this stuff long term that how, how do we become a community that have parties about a lost coin um, even if we've got loads of other coins or you know what how is it that we can be a a celebrating joy-filled community Um, and, and I think for me and that thing about friendship I was really pleased with that because I think in our toughest times we've also encountered through each other the most joy and laughter as well like we found that experience together as a team. Um, and, and I think so So to hold that thing about friendship with with that desire for transformation, because, you know, there's nothing that I get more of a buzz out of than seeing people get baptised or, you know, come into faith. I, I, I totally um, that's that's what we want. Um but just learning to find that in all sorts of other places is is really important for sustainability.
1: Mm. And I loved, you know, there were some other categories that that emerged in um, conversation and as people were responding to the uh, to putting their comments out on the Padlet of things like enabling others, raising up leaders, and um, having an adventure, like having a purpose, uh-huh. like we, we're we not just here by accident, but there's a bit of an adventure to be had here. We don't know what God's going to do. Um, and that's exciting, isn't it? Um, and also seeing God provide and as well as learning about God via new people in, in that context. And so I think that they are there, aren't they? Like they, there were fewer responses to those, but the very fact that they, those are the sort of things that have emerged Um, you know we've not come up with those tick boxes and said which of these would you tick yeah you know these are sort of naturally emerging for people and so I think that that um, sense of you know not just having your own group of friends but raising up new people as well and uh, doing that with that sense of purpose and sense of adventure, partnering with God, watching him provide. Those are some of the things in my experience around, like there's a real life about that, isn't there? When you've got an idea and you think, Oh God, how do we move forward with this? And it's like, God just sort of moves all the pieces in place with the right people or the finances that come in. And, and, and it's like, Oh gosh, this, this is happening this is a new thing and that's really exciting isn't it to see yeah. God do that and again that that's not every day is it but um but to just know that God's with you mm. and uh that he's making a way forwards is 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 really life-giving really joyful isn't it right yeah.
2: and I think added to that it is it's hard when it's the joys are intangible so I was talking to someone just the other day who said in their role as chaplain it's very hard to quantify when they've done something or when they have when something has happened so baptism like you say chris is an obvious point this is tangible this has happened whereas talking to someone seeing god provide enabling others it's it's quite intangible and there's not necessarily an end point all the time and to put your head down on your pillow at night and say i have achieved xyz it's easier if you're a plumber or if you're yeah. building something you could say oh yeah i built this house or i've done this i've tangibly fitted in this kitchen or whatever it is whereas when you're working with people when there is no clear path of you move from a to b and then c we all know it's not that simple it's very intangible with just my role as a priest really struggle with that as well, that Mm -hmm. how do I know the time and what I'm investing in in this community, in this parish? It's very intangible, and you don't really know if the sermon has landed or the pastoral call was really appreciated and going to lead to transformation, and it's very hard. Therefore, we lean on things like baptism or people putting their hand up in the air, and it is that tension of being obedient to God and kind of leaving it up to him, but taking joy in that, it's, it's it's easier said than done. But that is part of the challenge when you're working in an environment like this, definitely. And
0: I think that leads us nicely into that kind of idea of what are the challenges. And I mean, and I think, like you say, that that thing about wanting something that we can measure a bit, like how do we, you know, the difference in that role that it just our work just there's no ending to it. And so I think that's why like you say something like a baptism is such a a joyful occasion because it's a a a decision moment it's a public thing that we can identify and name and 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 celebrate in that way um i think moving into the the challenges that you um you discovered a lot of the the people who had responded were talking about um, a lack of resources um difficult to whether that's in finance or um whether that's in terms of getting volunteers to help to put things on um
2: yeah so 32 percent 32 percent said there was too much need or lots of work or under resourced and the next highest category which was 19 was lacking volunteers or unreliable so quite related issues not enough people not enough resources to do the work the next highest category um made up was um only 10% so the first two 32% and 19% this is mm. the biggest challenge there's lots of needs not enough people to help or not enough resources to enable that and that might be a building or um culturally appropriate resources but that was the overriding feeling or people with certain skills is that Yes. Yeah. yeah. All those things, uh, and I all... think
0: I think a lot of the times you you when you're studying, uh, you might um you might see read some leadership book, and 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 it's like how do you build a team where well, you get the best people and you recruit the people with the right character and competence, competency and chemistry and all of that stuff, and um and and then you kind of working in a you find yourself in a church and you think i don't see much of this stuff here you know so how and and i think that's why i love reading about jesus and his disciples because i think it's like that with him i think you see you've got this kind of ragtag bunch of people who who keep messing up and don't understand what's going on and um deny him and rebuke him for things that he's doing and and and, and I love I love that uh, the messiness of Jesus and his disciples because I think you see it so often in Christian ministry um, you've got all these dreams about this this great team you're going to put together but in reality they fall out with each other and they don't turn up to things and 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 that's and I think that's sometimes it's exacerbated um in areas where people from are from a more chaotic background because the it's they're not as kind of used to turning up to things on time or um because there's, there's there's more issues around anxiety that that perhaps will hold people back or there's 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 different kind of issues that go on there that are, that stop people from being able to um to commit to things more regularly. And that's certainly something we've seen over over the years. And, and 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 so some of that is um is a challenge of saying, how do we how do we stop coming up with our grand plans and trying to use people to fit our plans um and trying to fit them into the kind of categories of leadership that we should we think they should fit in. And instead see what God has given us and who the people are, and and really respond to who those people are and what their giftings are, uh, what they're passionate about, and take it from that point. And I think some of that contextual stuff came out quite a lot during the conference. Um, and I think that's one of the keys to facing those kind of challenges.
2: Yeah, no, like I like I say it's a bit like If Man United or Man City or Arsenal, they can quote unquote go out and buy whoever they want. There's no limit. They can recruit the best people. Whereas a national team, the national football team, you just work with what you've got. (laughs) The manager could turn up and say, oh, this really is it. We haven't got a goalkeeper. We haven't got a right back. And you're right in the Gospels. You see Jesus. You see the disciples getting it wrong again and again and not understanding. And you're the Messiah, but we don't want you to go to the cross and all the ups and downs and Jesus just sticks with them and yeah, um, yeah. this is it it would have been easier to go out and recruit the best rabbis or the best the best leaders but he didn't and but that is tough that's challenging mm-hmm. especially when you look around other types of ministries where you can do that and recruit the best stuff and have the resources to make tangible things happen and bring projects together yeah and so it is that is that dichotomy and kind of what you're talking about the contextualization came out as well because in the in part a of the first question the joys it produced seven types of answers seven types of categories whereas the challenge challenges produce 15 different varieties and it just hammered home to me that the context really can bring a very specific challenge depending where it is you can't you can't use, it's harder to uniform the challenges and the issues people are facing. So, for example, one of the responses talked about a challenge with the enti- with an entitlement culture. Um, other ones noted battling injustices. Another one says the slow slash inflexible diocese. Who knew? And the other one talks. someone else, another response, or some of the other responses talked about self-doubt and self-reliance there was just a wide range of what they put and it just really struck me that we talk about each community having its own flavour each community having its own challenges and that really is borne out in the data that you can't there's no silver bullet that say oh if you just give people this it will sort out everything because the challenges were so varied Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and I noticed that as well like you know that 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 it was clear isn't it that lack of lack of um volunteers or having unreliable volunteers um lots of work under resource they have definitely stood out as you know the kind of most uh, popular response um but that's also held in that context as you've just sort of started to say there andre about um you know having safeguarding issues you know as, as in the church of england that's something that we really are um Uh, addressing in really important ways and how that then plays out in the context of uh, an estate ministry or or other different contexts Um, it's a really important aspect of our work because these are the um, you know in some scenarios perhaps we're coming across more safeguarding um, concerns and then that adds to and we need the resources to uh, to make this a safe space for everybody to come and to be part of this community, and um, but then also, you know, as you say, kind of the next popular answers are around being outside of our comfort zone, uh, as we're hearing about challenging issues, experiencing negativity or misunderstanding or resistance. Whether that's, I don't know, whether that's kind of within the community or within the wider church community, and um, but also that as you mentioned a slow inflexible diocese and I think one of the things that I just noticed is that as we're hearing that voice come through in the context of there's lots to be done here and um and and here are the challenges around feeling perhaps a bit unsupported or challenged in in different ways that that's almost like a it's easy to see why lots of people working in these areas feel quite lonely or isolated Mm -hmm. um and interesting to note then that where the joy is in being part of a community it's just I just noticed that um and think ah but perhaps that's something where where we can um do better in that area of how are we really supporting those who are pushing out into new areas out of comfort zones and uh, is there a a way in which that we can bring a different level of support and but also understanding I think when you feel misunderstood that's quite lonely place isn't it because you you see this work that you're doing is really important but if people aren't understanding or you, you feel misunderstood on every front that's very isolating isn't it
2: and and added to that, I do think sometimes, which is something which is underestimated, is it can be a big clash of culture for some people. So some people grow up on council estates and they stay in the same place or they move to another council estate and it's something which is more natural to them or they're used to. But in the conference which I don't think surprises anyone. You do have some people who move across the country to do this. I moved from London up to Manchester. I was definitely the only Southerner working where I, in that community, on that team. Uh, And sometimes the class as well. So I grew up in a fairly middle-class background and you're moving to a predominantly working class and that causes cultural clashes. Mm. And it's not as dramatic or as obvious as if someone moves country or continents to do missional work but that can also be quite isolating that that actually sometimes interacting with people in the community can take a lot of energy and headspace because it's not the natural way you would communicate or have communicated and that obviously changes over time but Mm. that again points to the need for this deep friendship and deep community which you highlighted that it can't just be work 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 there has to be give and take and there has to be this joy that comes through forming really solid friendships which can sometimes be underestimated or Mm. think it will just happen but actually being intentional about that quite important to stop this isolation yeah I think because of the over the stat when you get that sense of,
0: of the overwhelming need then you can make yourself so busy trying to solve all of the needs and answer them all that then you don't have time for the friendships and that's then the the quickest road to burnout and and i think i've seen that in a number of people and i think so much of this which leads on to our next bit is about coming back to prayer again and again Uh, how do we rely on god how do we keep jesus central and and so the the next question was around how do you stay christ-centered um, in that way, and and I think so many of the the answers to the challenges begin with how do you remain Christ centered. Um, I don't know, Andre, if you want to start us off a bit with some responses to um to that i, I that question of how do you stay Christ centered?
2: Yeah, sure. So the question was, what do you believe are keys to fostering a Christ centered culture, and why? And the main response, the main type of answer slash category was prayer and spiritual disciplines, predominantly prayer, individual and corporate, but spiritual disciplines as well, like fasting, reading scripture, were also mentioned. And that was overwhelming. And the hope would be you'd get that in any type of church slash mission, <laughs> Christian organization. as so that in many ways shouldn't be surprising, but nevertheless is good to see. And that was the main, main response. The next one, which came in at 20%, was um, mutual friendship, love and support. So again, ties into what you have already been talking about. After that, you jumped down to 14%, which was being being an example. So to keep a christ center culture, we have to example something which is different to the rest of the world. And then something that surprised me the next, the next category, so you're jumping down from 29% now to 9%, the fourth fourth highest, was explicitly talking about Jesus. And the reason why that surprised me is because I think, particularly those of a more evangelical, low-church background, maybe that's an unhelpful ter- stereotype, but people from that background naturally equate evangelism with words, with explicitly preaching the gospel, as many people at the conference who would identify with that tradition. Yet, as as I just said, prayer was more important to them, mutual friendship and being an example, this whole idea of experiential learning, of being present, of relational learning or relationally communicating who Jesus is so people can see it and experience it was overwhelming like I say only nine percent said explicitly talking about Christ is needed or key to fostering a Christ-centered culture and I just found that really interesting
1: Mm. I find that interesting as well because I think one without the other is um like it's missing something maybe I don't know if if I only talk about Jesus but I don't pray I'm not part of a, a you know a community of people where there's mutual friendship support and love you know we we are being Christ like to one another um and if I'm not living my life in as, as an example of Jesus you know if there's nothing that's changed in me in response to Jesus then then the words about Jesus are empty and hollow aren't they I'm talking really about something perhaps I'm not demonstrating that I know But equally, if I do all of the other stuff and there isn't some sense of overflow of love for Jesus himself and not just a Christ like lifestyle, you know, live like Jesus, because that's a good way to live. Then I also think we've missed something of um, Jesus isn't just somebody for us to mimic, but he is a person for us to know and to love and to be in relationship with. And and so I would anticipate from that overflows um something of talking explicitly about Jesus as the one whom we gather around, we gather because of, you know, I'm in relationship with um th- that when I'm praying, it's him who I'm talking with, who I'm who I'm um, learning about, you know, as I'm reading scripture, I'm encountering. And so it's an interesting um split there, isn't it, as you've as you've just pointed out
2: and again, we did say what are the keys so some people might say oh yeah it's important but even the fact that it wasn't coming straight away in the answer is is fascinating and that may be um, it may be a chicken and egg situation is it that sure. people doing this work they just realize the missional need is to focus more on relationship and the example mm. or is it that we are going in assuming that or unable to communicate the gospel in this specific context for whatever reason that's not a judgment it's for whatever reason it's hard to do or we're not quite confident in doing it therefore we focus more on the mutual friendship and being an example and obviously the data won't give us the answer to that but it Mm. is being aware of that that do we need to encourage one another and enable one another to talk more explicitly in this context do we just need to be aware that it's something that has to happen, even if the others are leading how we approach working with the community? We still need to be aware that this explicitly talking about Jesus needs to be strengthened or or emboldened more. But it was that was a bit of a surprise for me.
1: Mm. I wonder if there's something around finding the right language. So, you know, um how do we? speak well about Jesus in different contexts. Uh, one of the things that was interesting for me to notice is that there was only one response to say that practising the Eucharist is um, one of the keys to fostering a Christ-centred culture. Um, this is something that um, I, I'm doing a bit of thinking about, really, at the moment, around, you know, if, if the Eucharist is the place of encounter, um, one of the places of encountering Jesus, How are we able to do that in different contexts and to do that well? One of my questions, I don't know, I haven't really got the answer to, but a question that's sort of floating around for me is around this question of language. Do we have the language available to us in, uh, particularly within the Church of England structures? You know, uh, when we do practice the Eucharist, how are we doing that in a way that is accessible for people and meaningful? That's, you know, in a language that resonates, not just that they can read the words, but they they understand and they own that it's part of their language. And therefore, it's an expression of that community. Um, And and so, yeah, I find that really interesting that that's come out in the data that, um, you know, that it's featured so low. I'm pleased that it's come out in the data, you know, at least it's on the list. Um, But I'm interested to know, you know, what? How are we gathering people around the Eucharist and um, and sharing bread and wine together, and encountering Jesus in that particular way, as we're gathering w- worshiping communities?
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's it's a challenge of realizing, particularly for Anglicanism, but all Protestant denominations, that it is a it is a wordy religion. We have the word and particularly in as i say anglicanism you have liturgy and it is word heavy and it is word heavy for a reason and it is beautiful but there are a lot of words and when you're going to a culture which don't want any lazy stereotypes but can often be book shy or not used to sitting down and discussing abstract theories and thought doesn't go for everyone obviously but is something which can happen frequently how do you bring those two together? And like you say, Claire, came out in previous episodes in the panel discussion, if I'm not mistaken, this idea of how do you make the Eucharist accessible when it is so wordy and people aren't used to sitting and listening to words like that or or used to that style of encounter with anyone at any point. And obviously the Eucharist is both different. It, It is both different, but also a personal, tangible encounter. And that's maybe something this data helps us to start really res- wrestling with. Mm. If It is a word-based religion. If we need to share Jesus explicitly, if we need to find words, then how do we start to find them?
1: Mm. And I think this is important because it leads us on to our final question of um, what it means to be hope-filled. And just, again, looking at some of the responses that we had, a lot of that hopefulness grows out of... The mo- different moments of encountering God. So, um, you know, the top answer there being uh, about prayer and spiritual disciplines, remembering God's always uh, working, uh, he's always working and already working, knowing our identity in God. You know, these are the, some of the things that are, are sort of floating up in the hope, in what makes us a hopeful community. Um, So I wonder, Andre, what are you noticing from the data that's coming out from this question?
2: Yeah, I think, as you say, the third question, what does it mean to be hope-filled, how do you nurture that, was the most wide-ranging. So just looking at the top answers, one came in at 17% of the responses, one at 15, sorry, three at 15, and one at 19 which you didn't get in all the other answers, which to me immediately says this is harder to define, this is harder to foster for whatever, for whatever reason. But it was also very varied. So you've already mentioned stuff, but also positivity. So I've seen the best in people that was mentioned. Two of the lower responses or lowest responses talked about maintaining self-care, at serving slash helping others but people clearly try and find hope in different ways it means different things to them teaching others to be hopeful is clearly something which isn't uniformed and I don't know if that's because it's sometimes hard to remain hopeful we've already talked about all that it's just a tough place it's just a tough thing to do it's tough places to be And so remaining hopeful is hard, which we've already unpicked a bit and thought about how we can maybe do that better. But the biggest link, which I think you said, Claire, and the biggest answer, not by much, but the biggest answer was prayer and spiritual discipline. So there is a link between using prayer to stay Christ-centred and using prayer to remain hopeful, which isn't really um, groundbreaking. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus is our hope. We find hope in Christ. But that is coming through in in this sample, in the delegates that are doing this work. And there is a link between focusing on Jesus and remaining prayerful. And obviously, people who responded to both questions may have put the same thing. They may have put different answers. But overall, there is that link, which I think shouldn't be forgotten. That hope isn't something we generate. It's something we find in God who's called us to this work.
0: And I think you're right, Andre, that it's not groundbreaking, but it is often neglected. And, and I think yeah. that's the thing, you, we, we all know it, but we often don't do it. Uh, and, and I think just working with lots of different people over the years, it's, it's almost always, that they'll come to me and they're struggling and we'll chat about it. And and almost always there's a there's been a, a thing, a neglect of their inner life with God. And their sense of formation and 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 that commitment to prayer, and so it's 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 something that you almost feel like embarrassed to talk about because it's so obvious. But if you don't, then you won't have those conversations around the fact that this person is not actually praying very often, and they're not receiving things from God, and they're not in places where they're encountering God. And actually, that's the stuff that got them into this in the first place, and it's the and it's the central thing that will sustain them the the other thing that i found encouraging um as someone who works at a theological college is that role of good theology within it so um one of the highest ones was about remembering that god is at work so that importance of that that sense of theologically knowing even if you don't always see it that that god is at work here and so mm. the importance of of good theology in our lives is is essential to to being sustainable Uh, and even that stuff around knowing your identity in god which was quite high up there um that's another thing that i just see so often in people as we're training ordinance for ministry um that that it's sometimes you you watch people wrestling with this stuff about their identity in god and realizing that that they've actually neglected that, and they and they've forgotten about it, or they've um, they've never fully grasped it uh, who they are in God, that they're a child of God, and and putting we we often have to um, have once a year. We've for the last couple of years we've had Bob and Mary Hopkins come and speak to some of our our students, and and they do this incredible session on where you find your identity, and are you just a kind of unworthy servant, or are you a beloved child of God, and uh, and there's this and what happens is that we when we put our identity in our work, and it's so easy to do it mm. that we that that we see ourselves as always unworthy, um, uh, and yet if we rest and we kind of sit in that place as a child of God, it it makes all the difference.
2: And my my personal journey of ordination always kind well makes me chuckle in many ways but one element is I saw people they started ordination training lack of confidence and they got better and better and thought I could do this I could lead a church and their trajectory went up I must admit personally I had the opposite experience I went in and the more I learned about leading the church and being a priest I thought I really can't do this (laughs) and this is ridiculous wow how can God ask anyone to do this particularly how can he ask me he knows what I'm really Mm. like but the identity of God has called me to this and God knows what he's doing and that's enough that that is enough that God knows what he's doing and I always say to people particularly those who are thinking about leadership priesthood or otherwise or just anyone to be honest any type of uh, Christian is thinking about discipleship or this area like do you know the depth and grace that god has for you that what it means to be a child of god because i can honestly say i know that if 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 it all went wrong if i got defrocked which sounds really painful <laughs> but if i got kicked out of the church got defrocked wife left me for whatever reason took the family with her which would be you know devastating if i lost my liberty ended up in prison if if everything was taken away from me God would still love me and I'll still be in his family. That doesn't mean any of that stuff, whether I was rightfully accused or wrongly accused or whatever doesn't excuse all of that and mean it's okay. But I know, I know, I know that God loves me. He has grace for me Mm. and I'm in his family. Mm. And until we know that identity, all of our work, all of our mission, everything will be out of ego or Fragility or wanting to prove something to someone or wanting people's praise. But until we let go of all that stuff and focus on what God says about us, not what our CV says, not what this person I really like says about me, not what these people I'm trying to impress say about me, until we know that we can't do this mission, especially in a very hard, con- well, in any context, but especially in a missional context. And as you say, Chris, it was it was encouraging to see that one of the highest responses was knowing our identity in God, because if we're looking at our work and our achievements, as we've talked about, they can be few and far between and very intangible. But if we focus on God has called us and God loves us, that would hopefully bring some hope. Well, you'd hope it would bring at least some hope.
1: Hmm. And I think that links to, you know, one of the key answers here about thanking God and celebrating his work you know, when we know that stuff at our core, if we know I'm a child of God and we're free from um, having to earn either respect or honour or earn our love from God, it liberates us to be thankful because we we can, uh, we just see it more maybe, I don't know, but, um, but it liberates us to celebrate, oh God, you've done something really cool here, um, you know, rather than sort of um, it becoming a, a big deal, you know, like a oh gosh, this is a really intense thing. But we're h- able to hold things a little bit more lightly. And I think when we hold things lightly, then we're able to celebrate God and what He's doing and and um and then it brings us back that full circle to it being joyful. Um and the joy that then, you know, as we were saying at the beginning, that that holds us through the challenges. It gives us strength to go through the, the challenges that we face as well. And um, that's what I love about some of the things that are coming out here is just how interconnected these things are, how important prayer and spiritual disciplines are, but not because we have to put pennies in a pot. You know, well, I've said my prayers every day this week, God, so you you should answer my prayers. But, you know, posturing our prayers as relational, um, relational between us and God, but also relational together you know that we we pray together we are a community of prayers and we support and love one another in our prayer life and in our our, the way that we ask each other you know as chris has just said there about you know um do do we keep each other accountable but again not in a have you said your prayers (laughs) Well, if you haven't you're in trouble but you know a reminder like remember that that whenever we come back to god he's he's ready and waiting for us whether it's been 10 minutes or whether it's been two days or whether it's been a week or more you know that he's he's joyfully waiting as the father who loves us to to welcome us into his presence and um and being able to remind one another of that truth is really important as well it's just lovely to see how lots of these things are emerging in different ways across the different data that we've gathered from hearing from people in the room
2: yeah and it and it can also free us up just remember remembering we're disciples we're disciples first we may be doing this work on council estates or not we may be leaders in the church or not or leaders in other ways or not we're all disciples first and as we remember that we are like you say claire takes the pressure off when we remember we're disciples and we're children of god and we need to lean into that can take the pressure off in other areas, and the pressure to do all the work, and the pressure to do all those things, and in this work, which is hard, as you've said many times um already, Chris, that 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 sustain, sustaining for the long term really relies on us remembering who we are before God first and foremost daily, not just three years ago, <laughs> doing that daily, and as you say, the interconnection of actually it starts with God and from that we can remind ourselves God is already at work and mm-hmm. from that we can celebrate the joys and from that we can acknowledge the challenges and it the data really can help us to build a picture and we can't generalize but it can help us to hopefully remind each other that these things are important first and foremost.
1: Yeah
2: Andrea, I think that's an excellent
0: summary of what we've discussed and then um... We're really grateful to you for partnering with us on these podcasts. Um to our listeners, we uh, we thank you for listening. I don't know if it's just my mum who listens or if there's anyone else out <laughs> there, but um we're really grateful to you all for tuning in. Uh we hope you've enjoyed these sessions. Uh we've certainly enjoyed kind of um playing around with these different ideas and hopefully um and and learning from all the different country contributors um this has been uh, a partnership between Emmanuel Theological College and the Estates Evangelism Task Group and the National Estates Church Network and um we'll be the three organizations will be ongoingly doing our work looking to support people who are in these uh who are working in estates pioneering and planting and um and trying to serve God and see what God's doing here. And so, um, yeah, look kind of keep following the different, uh, those diff- those three different groups for um, more kind of activities that we'll be putting on in the future. Um, so f- from me, it's a, a big thanks to everyone who's contributed and everyone who's listened.
1: Yeah, and for me also, it's been a real pleasure to be part of these. I certainly feel like I've learnt a lot. It's been great to have space to reflect and to learn with uh, with you guys as well. So, yeah, thanks for me too.
0: Thanks to Andre. Yeah. yeah thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.